Oh, I'm taking a short break, trying to get motivated to get something done. I haven't really done much today. It's been a lazy day. <coughs> Excuse me. Didn't get some good sleep. Didn't get much sleep. It wasn't very good when I got. So then I went out to a, a place, uh, a sandwich place, and got a. So, well, they give you a cookie, a sandwich, and a drink. And a small bag of potato chips for like $7. This is amazingly cheap if you want to have a real cheap lunch. But but it's good. It's fresh bread that they bake. Um, everything is fresh. Everything is always good. And for 7 bucks, I mean, you know, come on. Come on, man. But um, so I've been a lazy butt. We call them lazy butt. When I used to motocross race, we used to refer to... Uh, people as lazy butts or women with big rear ends as um, fat butts. <laughs> Everything had butt on the end, but but that's not what I'm talking about. It's not what this podcast is about. Um, for me, in my observations and conversations uh, with people, which are very limited now, I I have really withdrawn from society in the long in a large measure. Um, I converse with select groups of people and even, even the ones who are select, um, the, the conversations are abbreviated with some of those people to the point where I'm, I'm just trying to end the conversation so I can leave. It's sad that it's that way, but it's that way. It's just the way it is. Some of these people who I really love them too. They're I really think the world of them are so freaking boring to talk to. Um, their their scope of knowledge is so limited. Their ability to express themselves, oh boy, I don't even know how to say it. Um, and they're so fixated on oh, on money and their job and. Oh, it's just amazing. They live such small lives that when you want to talk to them about anything broad and deep, they can't do it. They just can't do it. Um, a lot of it is they don't have the brains. They're good people, but they just don't have the brains. They don't have the knowledge base. They don't have the experiences. They they lived pretty limited lives when they were younger. And having lived those limited lives, it's affected them as adults. But they're good people, and I love them to death, but I don't spend much time with them. And I don't talk to them very much because there's not much there. It's very boring. Um, that's how it goes. Anyway, it's not what this podcast is about. Uh, and this podcast is not about habitual yawning either or chronic yawning. That's my affliction. That's not yours. I am very disturbed, disappointed even, sad, if you want to go that route. When I um, talk to people and when I observe young people, young adults, you know, even though they're the 30s and 40s, to discover that the very most basic, basic teachings that should be given in the home, they never got. Or they got so, they got such a casual um, education in the home um, huh, 
and I saw this growing up with some of my friends. Um, they were not they were not being prepared for life really like they should have been by their parents. Their parents were pretty much what I call laissez-faire parents, you know, hands off. And even some of the most important things that should have been taught in the home, they never got the instruction because the parents um, didn't think it was important. The parents didn't even really connect with their children or or try to prepare them for adulthood much of much of at all, to be honest. <sighs> in some cases, there was such severe abuse in the home. It was it was understandable why they were not prepared and taught in the home because the abuse and the neglect, the deprivations they had, food, whatever. Um, you know, even with one of my best friends, where the father had molested what three of the five girls on a regular basis. I mean, actual intercourse sex. Not, you know, feeling them up and stuff like that, but actually, you know, having sex with them. Um, and the, the whole family was dysfunctional. Here's my thing. Here's the point. This is what I was going to say. I'm very, it's very disturbing to me to see that in a lot of homes, the most basic teachings that boys and girls should be getting to help prepare them to be men and women, they're not getting. The boys are not being taught their role as provider protector. The boys are not being taught um, their responsibilities to women. Uh, the boys are not being taught responsibility in, in you know, as personal, a personal responsibility. Um, the boys are taught that they are the man and that they get to decide, no matter how it affects anybody, um, and that women are there to serve them in whatever capacity they determine. Um, so the, the teachings are very skewed. The teachings aren't that when you get married that your wife is it. The teachings are your wife is it for the responsibilities and things you want her to have. But you other women are there for the taking if you want to. So if another woman wants to get involved with you and you're married, um, that's fine if you're a man. Not if you're a woman, but if you're a man, that's fine because that's what women are there for. Women are not being taught to be women, or girls rather, are not being taught to be women and mothers. Um, women are being taught that you're there to do what the man wants you to do, to, to serve the man, that you have no real purpose in life other than facilitating the needs of the man through the things that he wants you to do. Uh, girls are being taught that it's not important to, um, you know, to be, uh, how do they say that? Well, I'm trying to think of the word, and I can't think of the word. Abstinence, yes. Girls are not taught abstinence. Girls are taught if you want to get a man, you have to give him sex. Um, but giving men sex is natural because, you know, men have part of the equation and you have the other part. You know, the pegs and the round holes approach to life. Girls are taught that having premarital sex is okay because then you gain experience as a woman so you can know what to do with a man when you finally get married or... That's how you get a man. If you're if you're really good in bed, 
he'll want you. And if you give him sex during the dating, you'll get him interested in you because it bonds people. Uh, girls are being taught that um, they don't need to be mothers. Motherhood is a burden. It's a, you know, it's it's something that it's a responsibility you should shun. Um, women are are not taught, uh, are not being taught that in order to be a full woman, um, that you need to have an education. You need to have skills that you need to prepare for the possibility of not having a man. But for the most part, women are taught that you will have no existence or, or no significance as a person unless you're attached to a man. And there's truth to that to a degree, but it's not all-encompassing. So what you have is the basics. Like my sons, um, I, I raised my sons to respect women. Raise my sons to protect women. And one of the things I used to say to my sons was, was this. For every woman has, you know, I said, just remember this. Every woman is somebody's daughter and somebody's sister. And then I would remind them that they had a sister. And I would remind them of their mother. And I would say to them, do you ever see me yelling and swearing at your mother? And they'd say, no. I'd say, do you ever see me pushing your mother or throwing her or slapping her or, you know, hitting her? I said, do you ever, have you ever seen me do any of this stuff to your mother? And they'd say, no. And I'd say, that's right, because you're not supposed to do those things. A real man don't do those things. So I ingrained in my sons that the honoring of, woman, of women was much more than just not hitting them or degrading them or verbally assaulting them, that it was taking responsibility to honor them and reminding them that, uh, you know, that every woman is somebody's daughter and somebody's sister and that they had a sister and then reminding them of their mother was to in infuse in their minds that, if they were to be a real man, they had to honor women. And I've done, I've done quite, I wouldn't say, let me rephrase it. I was going to say I've done quite well, but I'd rather say this. Um, it worked. Now, they went through rough patches, you know. My one, one son slept with so many girls I couldn't list. My other son was married and got divorced and he was you know kind of like i'm the man i make the decisions his wife was a complete idiot so we knew that was going to end the divorce my other son who was very good his wife she went nuts um he was in the military he was gone a lot and she just slept around that's what she did um but every one of them two of them remarried um and they have great wives one of them still single when he's dating. But the thing is, they the three of them do honor women. The three of them are very respectful. Um, they control themselves. They don't have a desire to degrade women or demean women. They don't have that. They have no desire for that kind of stuff. If you were to talk to them, they would tell you, as I have no desire to do that kind of a thing. Um Oh, they look at women and, you know, they'll comment, yeah, she looks good or, yeah, she's she's beautiful or something. They'll say stuff like that and then that's it. Uh, nothing more. Nothing more. 
Um, sometimes they will say, yes, she's a nice person, but she's an idiot. Well, they get that from me, so you really can't blame them. Um, because I, I don't, I don't limit it to women. There's men I like who say, "Yeah, he's a good man, but he's an idiot." You know, so it's not a personal thing; it's just an observation. The point is, it is possible for someone, men or women, boys or girls, to live through some very trying circumstances as children, and then when they hit adulthood, to live riotous lives, purposeless lives. And then later on, recover and do quite well for themselves. The problem is, if you were to graft the trajectory, the trajectory of people who had bad childhood, went nuts as you know young adults, and then woke up and did something with their lives, you'd find the graph is very shallow. It doesn't go way up. It's this very gradual, shallow graft. If you looked at the trajectory of the lives of young men and young women who as children are raised in a proper home, taught proper principles, you would see that through their young adult lives into their older lives, the trajectory is more steep and, and the curve is greater. Um, I wish I could graph it for you to make it, you know, more, make it easier for you to understand, but if you can envision in your mind a line that, that goes up and levels off, but it doesn't go very far up versus a line that goes way up and then curves and levels off and goes up a little and then levels off. The first trajectory are children that were not taught in the home properly, maybe even abused or something, um, went nuts as young adults and then later on tried to recover their lives. They have a very shallow trajectory versus children who are taught correct principles in the home, raised properly, um, you know, did the right things as young adults, they didn't get themselves in the you know in trouble like the other people did. Their trajectory is much more steep, much higher, and when it begins to level off or taper off, it's not flat. It's a, it's, a, it's still at an incline. These are just statistics. These are just facts. Um, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, statistically, children that come from a family with a mother and father of the home over their lifetime do much better than children who come from a broken home, a divorce, or a single parent home. There are statistics, you know, governmental, statistics uh, governmental statistics which support what I'm saying. This is not something I'm telling you because I'm trying to influence you. I'm sharing the data with you that proves what I'm saying is true. Um, girls who had premarital sex more than likely, um, have children out of wedlock or they have, they get married young and divorced young. These are all statistics. Women who are abused typically marry men who abuse women and they make the, you know, the life of abuse continues and is passed on to their children. These are just facts. So what is the solution? Well, there isn't a universal solution. There really isn't because people seek their own interest. And no matter how well formulated a plan is that you can present to somebody that would ensure their success, their self-interest in choices um, will modify 
whatever you've constructed, um, in many cases, it will diminish the, the potential of the plan you have because they will choose some things and other things that could be beneficial, they won't choose. That's just it's his human nature. But for someone who said to me, okay, George, tell me the plan. I want to be successful. I want to be a good mother and good or a good father to the children. I want to be a good husband or I want to be a good wife. For someone who said that to me, I would say this. I would say, first and foremost, you need to teach truth in your home. Yeah, truth. You need to spend time instructing your children by example and by principle. Um, it would be good to teach them about God. I know a lot of people in these days, you know, they hear the word God and they're freaking out. But it would be good for them to know. Teach them about good and evil. Teach them about consequences. Teach them about responsibility. Your example will say more than your words in truth. They will see the way you conduct yourself and they will pattern themselves after your example in most cases. Sometimes children go the opposite. The parents are so freaking bad. The kids say, I don't ever want to be like him or I don't ever want to be like her. I remember a, a friend of mine. I mean, I love this girl to death. We were I mean, like best friends. Um, her mother was an alcoholic. Um, it was it was just crazy. I mean, it was it was just sad to me because when I would go to her house, her mother was always drinking. Her mother would be like half drunk, and she'd be in a nightgown. Her freaking boobs would fall out sometimes, and then she'd laugh and say, "Oh, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen these before." And she'd tuck them back in. I was thinking, "Damn, is that what they look like?" But I felt sad for her because her mother, you know, was an alcoholic and she slept around. You know, her husband was working. He was gone all the time. He just gave up on his wife is what he did. She was a hopeless alcoholic and he gave up on her. So other men would take care of her because their relationship was just he was a provider and, he, you know, his wife was a drunk and he just lived with it. Um and she lived her separate life, and he lived his. So there were times where she would be walking around and, you know, fall into a chair with her legs open, and you could see her box. I mean, she, she just didn't care. She just didn't care. And at my age, it was like, what the hell? Because that never happened to my family. My my parents weren't alcoholics. They modestly dressed. You would never see... My sisters or mother walk around a nightgown with their boobs falling out or spreading their legs, falling into a chair. You never saw stuff like that. And the girl would be embarrassed. I'd look away out of respect for her mother and her. And she, she would cover her mother up or say, Mom, you know, what are you doing? And stuff like that. But it was sad to me because this was the example that this girl was had as a young woman. To, you know, to, to grow. This is, in other words, this was an example to her of what, you know, is she going to be like her mother? Is she going to become an alcoholic and do this kind of stuff? Sleep around on her husband? Or is she going to be, and she told me, I will never be like her. I would never let myself get like, and she didn't. She, her mother was such a poor example. She went the other way. Said, I don't want to be anything like my mother. I love her. But she's she's out of control. You know, she's my mother's a whore. 
and an alcoholic. And I said, well, you know, I said, I don't know. I, I said, and I'm, I hope you don't, you know, I said, I hope you don't think I've lost respect for you because of your mother. I said, no, George, this is how she is with everybody. She does this stuff. Um, and I, but I felt, felt sorry for her because instead of having an example of a mother who was fully dressed and didn't drink, um, who would welcome her home from school with a hug and, you know, and, and pay attention to her and be involved in her life. She had a mother who really was not involved in her life in any real capacity, um, who just would walk around half drunk, laughing, you know, with a glass of whiskey, you know, sometimes beer, but usually hard, and vodka or whiskey. Was just walking around complaining, you know, well, your father's not here. I don't know what the hell he's doing and all this. And I thought, wow. So I didn't like to go over to her house because I didn't want to see that kind of a thing. And I really loved this girl. And I hated to see um, how, how it affected her when I was there because she didn't want me to see this part of her life. You know, she was hoping that maybe when, when I went over to her house, her mother wouldn't be so drunk or maybe her mother would be dressed. But I don't think I ever saw her mother in anything but a nightgown. Um, it was just crazy. And she'd had no shame whatsoever. I mean, just nothing. She just, you know, like scratched her freaking crotch right in front of you. She did stuff like that where he said, yeah, I guess I should have put a bra on because my boobs keep falling out. You know, that's, you don't say stuff like that to your, your daughter's friend and stuff like that. But the point I'm making is sometimes when the home life is so bad, it can cause a child to revolt against that type of life and they go the opposite way more times than not they become just like their parents the cycle of abuse or deprivation or want whatever continues into their life um, they usually do not get a very good education they usually don't get skills that could could land them an important job job that would provide well. They usually end up with low paying jobs. If there was abuse in the home, they usually end up with somebody who's abusive. It's like I told this good friend of mine. Um, girls usually marry guys just like their father, and boys usually marry women just like their mother. It's true. It seems. Um, even in in my marriage, my wife came from a divorced, you know, her parents were divorced. My parents were divorced. Um, a lot of similarities in our lives, but in the most important things were, is where the similarities were best. You know, our love for God, honesty, loyalty, loyalty to family, loyalty to friends, all that kind of stuff. My wife and I were very well matched in those areas. Um, we both had gone to the to college. Um, she went to BYU, went to Iowa State. We were fiercely loyal to one another. We never had affairs or never got involved with other people. Um, we were very, we we're both very family oriented, um, hands on in raising our children, um, and we did the best we could uh, with what we had. And. We had we have children now whose lives reflect success, meaning they became the type of children we hope they the children became the type of men and women that we hope they would. 
Um, they do very well for themselves. Are they rich? No. Well, my one son does pretty well. But the point is, is they became men and women in body, in spirit, and in function. They did not become men and women who are still boys and girls. They take responsibility. They work hard. They honor their wives. Their wives honor them as their husband. Um, they have, uh, well, one of them has two children. Um, the other has one child. Um, my other son, uh, his wife can't have children, which is sad because they were hoping to. She keeps miscarrying. Um, and my daughter is not married yet. But across the board, um, two of them have, well, one of them has college, well, he has two college degrees. The second one is finishing his degree in computer science. My daughter is in, uh, in college. She's finishing her degree in music theory. And my other son, he's, he's in his early 30s. He's trying to decide whether or not he wants to go to college. I told him you should really decide college or trade, something that you know, is going to make you money. He's very strong in math. So I was telling him, you know, with math skills, there's a lot of things you can do. You really should consider, uh, if you, you have, because you have such good math skills, you should consider um, an, you know, a career occupation that maximizes your mathematical ability because there's a lot of money to be made if you can do statistical analysis. There's a lot of things you can do if you're strong in math. Engineering, uh, computer science, statistics, um, you know, accounting. There, there's many, many fields where math is, um, you know, where having strong math skills is uh, an asset. So here is my final closure on this subject. No matter what childhood uh, a person may have had, it is incumbent upon that person to break the cycle. That's it. If a person had a horrible childhood, abuse or whatever it was, a friend of mine, his family had abuse, sexual abuse to the girls, physical abuse to the boys, and hardly ever had food in the house. They were always eating government food. Um, they drank coffee as children because coffee was cheap. Um, drank water and coffee, and when they had money, they bought soda and candy. Their life was just unbelievably hard. Um, a couple of them went on to be pretty successful. They, they did, did quite well for themselves. Others did not. All the girls got married. The youngest girl was murdered, raped and murdered by a neighbor. The next oldest girl died of cancer. Next oldest girl, I don't know anything about her. She, who knows what happened to her. She was a witch. I couldn't stand that Beatrice. The next girl got married right after I left to go in the military. She got married. I think she was pregnant. Uh, I don't know what happened to her. My best friend, Roger, her their brother, died of colon cancer. The next older brother, Gary, was a child molester who went to jail. Um, the older brother, Bamba Raymond, who was really a freaking good dude, he died of cancer. The next uh, oldest daughter, Bernadette, excellent, freaking excellent woman, good mother, 
good wife. I mean, she was just a good person all out. She was gorgeous, too. Um, I don't know what happened to her. Some of them broke the cycle of the abuse they had in their lives and others they couldn't. The damage was so great to who they were as a person, they were not able to overcome their childhood. And you really can't assess guilt to, to, to people who had horrific childhoods and somehow just were not able to overcome it. You can't assign guilt and responsibility or, or diminish them simply because their childhood was so great they just couldn't escape it. Um, I feel sorry for them because they were, these were, except for the one sister who was a witch, well, two, I forgot the youngest one was a freaking witch too. The rest of the girls were really good. Roger was excellent. His brother Gary was a bastard. Um, Bomba or Raymond, the oldest one, excellent. That's how it is in life. We either do quite well, we do well, or we don't do well. People either find a way to break the cycle of abuse and whatever principles they've learned or are able to learn after their childhood, if they get married and have children, they teach their children those things. They teach their children the things that are going to prepare them to be adults because that's what a parent's responsibility is, to teach their children correct principles and let them govern themselves prepare them for adulthood through their childhood. Because if they live long enough, they're going to become adults. And if they're not taught properly, if the instruction in the home is not sufficient, that cycle of abuse or that cycle of want will continue into another generation. And that is a tragedy when it can be avoided. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Sayonara.